0: This episode is brought to you by Morty, Buzzshot, Cogs, and Patreon supporters like you.
1: Cogs by Clockwork Dog is an easy to use platform for running interactive events, specializing in escape rooms. They have plug and play hardware that seamlessly integrates with their software, so you can create a show with lighting and sound cues all without having to write a single line of code. Map different kinds of inputs and outputs by building up simple logic steps which determine what you want to happen and when. Some of the best experiences in the world use COGS, including Phantom Peak in London and The Room in Berlin. Now I've been to The Room, and they have the highest standards for immersion, lighting, sound, and automation. And now they're using the COGS platform with custom plugins in all of their newest rooms. The COGS Starter Set is normally valued at $257, but our listeners can get the Starter Set today for only $130 with free shipping to the U.S. You can learn more and purchase your COGS Starter Set at cogs.show. Use code REPOD at checkout. That's R-E-P-O-D. Link and details in the show notes.
0: Welcome to the Reality Escape Pod, your lifeline when you need a getaway from the real world. I'm David Spira, alongside my co-host, PG Law. Together, we're exploring immersive gaming from all angles and we'll be joined by guests who really know their stuff. Today, we have one returning guest and one new guest, both from the Puzzler Podcast, which has been topping charts since its debut. Our returning guest is the host of the show and my friend, author AJ Jacobs. And our new guest is his chief puzzle officer, Greg Pliska. Every day they release a short form podcast where they present puzzling puzzles that will puzzle celebrities puzzlingly. Welcome AJ and Greg. Thank you, David. Thank you, PG. We are excited to be here. Thank you for having us. It's nice to uh, be with you guys.
2: Yeah, you guys are like we're the the upstart cousins in the puzzle podcast space.
0: Uh, You're doing okay.
2: We're very different from you. We're very different. But we love being in the same, what would it be?
1: Same sphere, yeah. Same
2: sphere, same field
1: thank you guys so much for making this podcast. I have been waiting for this. You know, I used to listen to Ask Me Another or the Sunday Puzzles, yes. all those that I feel like those puzzle podcasts went off the air. And I have just, I've been waiting for more puzzle audio podcasts out there. So I'm so grateful you guys stepped in.
2: You are welcome we are here to help. And I will say, Greg was a writer on Ask Me Another with Ophira.
3: Yeah. Sometimes Puzzle Guru live over there. And it was very sad to see that show cancel because
0: I, like you, P.G., I thought it was a great time and a lot of great audio coming out of that. And for those who are wondering greg also was involved in aj's puzzle book he's a phenomenal puzzle designer he's designed in so many different places and at a book release for the puzzler that's where i first met greg and he had made a puzzle to celebrate that and i have to thank you because i took some inspiration from one of those and designed a puzzle inspired by it for our new mexico escape room tour and by the way that tour is coming back this spring, so if anybody is interested, you can purchase tickets for that now on roomescapeartist.com. And what was the puzzle? Greg had made a puzzle that was using the letters A and J. I love that puzzle. My name is AJ, so that helped. And so I took that templating and I had made a New Mexico themed puzzle that also imparts a little bit of historical knowledge along the way.
2: I love it. Yeah, I love that puzzle too. That was a great one. It was like all phrases that begin with A and J, like jus, roast beef, jus. And I can't remember the Applejack, whatever they were.
3: Applejack. Yeah, I don't remember any of the others.
2: I mean, yeah. that is like the most versatile puzzle format because you can make it like whoever it's for. You're like, oh, they made a puzzle just for me.
0: It was fantastic. And it was just like the perfect timing. I was needing to make a puzzle and I really loved it. So I, I made my version.
3: You could do a puzzle like that for each state you visit, David, but you're going to get in trouble when you go
0: to Texas, I think. I think you're right about having trouble in Texas.
3: The the TX puzzle. It's going to be a little harder than the NM puzzle was.
0: Yes. Yeah. I also think Arizona may be a bit of a struggle.
3: The first AZ that comes to mind is the guy who shot the uh, Kennedy assassination film, Abraham Zapruder.
0: Oh, good one. AJ, We spent a whole episode with you back in season three, episode 11, exploring your book, The Puzzler, where you dove deep into the various subcultures of the puzzling world and emerged with a book that explored those niches and what you took away from them. So, We aren't gonna focus too much on the book today. Instead, we are going to focus on your new podcast of the same name, The Puzzler with AJ Jacobs. How did this transform from a book to a podcast distributed by iHeart Podcasts?
2: Well, first of all, I loved writing the book. I've written a lot of books, but I happen to love puzzles. And so spending uh, a year and a half hanging out with the greatest puzzle makers and greatest puzzle solvers in the world was just a joy. I got to hang out with David and Lisa Spira, and they told me, I still love one of your quotes from that book. You talked about when you first started doing escape rooms. When you would come out, you felt like you were on a drug, like you were hyper aware of everything, like the color of the fire hydrant. I just love that. Uh, And I relate to it. Anyway, I love doing the book. And one of the great puzzle makers I met doing the book was Greg Pliska. And of course, my book was about the history and people of puzzles. But I couldn't write a book about puzzles without having puzzles in it. Who wants to buy that? I put in a bunch of historical puzzles, and then I was going to come up with some modern puzzles. But I realized this is an art form that takes years to master. And I'm friendly with one of the masters right here, Greg Pliska, who I met at his wonderful World of Words weekend at Mohunk. And I said, Greg, would you please join me and make the puzzles for the book? So that is how we started I was such a thrill meeting you at that event.
3: And really exciting that you came up to me. I think right at the end of it, you didn't even wait till like we got home. You came up and said, Listen, would you like to do puzzles for the book? And it was great fun doing it. The funny part about it, of course, was that every few months, AJ would change the number of chapters in the book. So I'd built a you know, I was building a meta puzzle. Yeah, that won't mess with your
0: meta puzzle no. at all.
3: I think how many ch- 18? Oh, perfect. Oh, 20. Oh, there's nineteen. Oh, there's twenty one. But fortunately, the concept was flexible enough to work with however the book came out. And I am constantly proud of that book. I, it's in the background of whenever I'm on Zoom recording our show, in fact, at home. And I talk about it all the time because I just... I'm not a published author most of the time. I do other things. So I'm really proud to be attached to that book. And from there, we did the Puzzler Online, which was a puzzle hunt that was used to get attention for the book. And somewhere in all of that, we met Adam Newhouse, was the guy who came to us and said, hey, let's make this a podcast.
2: These are people I had known from Mental Floss magazine. I don't know if you remember Mental Floss. Well, it's still around, I love it. And Neely was editor in chief, and I had worked for her for many years, and she said, let's make a podcast. And actually, the initial idea for the podcast was uncomfortably close. To reality escape pod. So I'm very glad that it actually has morphed into something totally different because Neely said, why don't you interview like a puzzle maker for an hour and dive deep and wouldn't that be interesting? I said, sure, that sounds very interesting. So we pitched and in the pitching, I don't remember, I think it was iHeart came back and said, we actually feel it would be better to have short puzzles instead of hearing from the puzzle makers We want you to actually present the puzzles. And at that point, I'm like, I love the idea, but I got to get my chief puzzle officer, Greg Pliska, involved. So that's sort of how it evolved.
0: PG, this is the difference between when you are just like niche media company deciding that you're going to make a show versus when you're a big media company saying, hey, we actually want to make some money here and we should make something that is going to appeal to a lot more people.
2: (laughs) It might have been much bigger if I did it the other way.
1: It's a sound strategy because puzzles are a niche thing. And so I think with something short and punchy, you're getting them hooked. The first taste is free, right? You're getting the general audience hooked onto puzzles and how fun they are, and then you'll send them our way, right?
2: (laughs) That is right. And you know, all three of you are coming on as guests on The Puzzler coming up. So that is going to be a uh, crossover episode to remember.
0: Cannot wait to do it. I'm excited.
3: The other thing I would add to that is that one of the things, AJ, I think you're so expert at is taking... A deep dive into things from the kind of everyman perspective. So you go deep into how all these puzzles work, but you constantly come back to what is the average person on the street going to take away from this?
2: Right. Because I am very average. That's the good thing about me. <laughs> I am very mediocre. I am not. A... <laughs> You're just an average Joe to pick up another AJ phrase that. Exactly. Oh, nicely
3: done. But that is my biggest failing as a puzzle creator is that I sometimes struggle to not go too deep into the weeds, right? So that's why this collaboration works so well, is being able to say, "No, what's going to be something that folks in the morning walking their dog are going to want to hear, want to solve? We don't have to make it really deep and complicated. I get to do that somewhere else. And for this, we get to make it fun, bite-sized, entertaining.
1: That does not sound... Unlike my relationship with David, I get to be the <laughs> AJ of this partnership. I, <laughs> makes
2: I was, sense, AJ and PG. Yeah.
1: I get to be the idiot sidekick. I don't have to do any research. I just get to sit here and be wowed, and David gets all technical and you know exactly. does all the research on it. And I'm here to represent the person who doesn't know all of these terms they're talking about, right? And ask the questions that people are like, maybe I'm too embarrassed to admit I don't understand <laughs> what's going on here.
2: That's right. You and me are happy to look dumb.
1: (laughs) So Greg, since this is your first time on this show, we're gonna ignore AJ. We're gonna put him aside for just a few minutes (laughs) and we're gonna get to know you. How did you find your way into the puzzling world? How did you get started as a puzzle crafter?
3: That is an excellent question. My father was a big lover of crossword puzzles. Did the crossword puzzle all the time when I was a kid. And when I was 10 or 11 years old, I thought,
0: I'm going to make crossword puzzles for my dad. This sounds like a hug of death situation.
3: <laughs> my dad was a wonderful man, but also had a temper. And one of the greatest things he did was not get angry at the puzzles I made for him because I didn't know anything about the rules of crossword puzzle. We had a big on bridge dictionary, and I just went through looking for words that would fit into the grid I was making to the extent that it was a grid with any symmetry even. There were two-letter words, there were unchecked letters where there was no crossing word. And if I found a word in the dictionary, I thought, sure, that can go in the puzzle. So my poor father had to solve these things with the most obscure strings of letters that passed for words ever. But he didn't get mad, he just supported me and off I went into puzzle creation. That's love. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Now, I will say, I, you know, it wasn't a straight line from that to doing puzzles. Really, the big gateway was the American Crossword Puzzle Tournament that Will Shorts runs in Stanford, Connecticut. And I think it was around 1995, Games Magazine had published the puzzles from that tournament. And I did them and I thought, wow, I'm doing these fast. I should go to this thing. I went to the tournament and walked into this room and we discovered I had found my people right? This wonderful group of puzzle creators and puzzle solvers. And I had a great time with the puzzles, but after hours, a guy named Scott Weiss had done a puzzle hunt. I'd never heard of a puzzle hunt before. I just said, sure, I'll do this thing. All I remember is I solved the puzzle and it had a phone number and I called this phone number and somebody answered and said, are you calling about the puzzle? And I said, yes. And I got an answer. And then I was sent up to somebody's hotel room where there was a clue on the door. This Concept of running around solving puzzles, getting clues in the real world around me was mind blowing. And from there, I joined the National Puzzlers League
2: and basically never looked back. You sound like you're getting emotional. No, I'm just I'm just uh, getting water. (laughs) I I thought it was good. It's good to have emotion on podcast.
0: (laughs) Yeah. What's your NPL name?
3: My nom in the NPL is Gene Natural, which is a nod to my other career as a musician and composer. And G, R-E-G, my name G plus R-E-G for
2: regular uh, is G natural. Oh, that's good. Mine is one down Saturday because the <laughs> highlight of my life was being an, a, a clue in the Saturday New York Times crossword puzzle.
0: That's phenomenal.
1: I like how you managed to work that into this conversation as well. Oh, right? yeah.
2: <laughs> it's a humble brag because like all the answers in Saturday are completely obscure.
1: <laughs> I just realized, David, we've had five or six guests this season that are all in the NPL. A lot of Puzzle Hut people this season.
0: Yeah. And the ones who have interesting names, that bit of the conversation makes it into the episode.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So do we not, we don't qualify for that?
1: I guess you'll find out. (laughs) All
2: right. Fingers crossed. (laughs)
0: We're taking a moment to thank our sponsor Morty. Morty is a free app for discovering, planning, tracking and reviewing escape rooms, haunts and other immersive social outings. And Morty is now available for all to use on its fantastic website experience, iPhone app and its brand new Android app available now on the Google Play Store. I believe in Morty so much that I have a stake in it as an advisor.
4: Hello, this is Scott from the Immersive Machine in Phoenix, Arizona. I wanted to chime in and share my gratitude towards Morty. We opened the Immersive Machine earlier this year and we were shocked by how many people instantly found our business using Morty. We were expecting to have to work really hard to get the word out, but even after a couple of weeks, users on Morty started to share their experiences and word started to spread. Morty has continued to consistently drive escape room enthusiasts to our business. And because of that, I am eager to repay the favor and promote Morty. As an owner, the partner dashboard allows me to connect directly with our players and respond to the reviews and hopefully drive repeat business as soon as we have a second room. During our after-game briefings, I make sure to tell every customer about Morty. I wanna make sure newer players find the best escape room experiences in our market and turn into enthusiasts who can spread their excitement about escape rooms to their friends. So a big thank you to the Morty crew for all that you do to support our industry and help people find great experiences.
0: You can learn more at morty.app repod, that's R-E-P-O-D, to sign up and get a special badge for our listeners. Link and details in the show notes. So, Greg, you've done a whole bunch of incredibly interesting things in the puzzling space. You mentioned the American Crossword Puzzle Tournament. I have to ask you, what is it like running color commentary on a crossword tournament?
3: So that is one of the greatest honors of my puzzling life because the chair was previously held by Merle Regal and uh, Neil Conan of NPR. And at some point, Merle wanted to retire from doing the commentary and Will asked me to do it. It is so much fun. To anybody who has any interest in crossword puzzles, you must go to the American Crossword Puzzle Tournament. A lot of people I know who love crosswords say, oh, I'm not very good, I can't go to this thing. And what they don't realize is It's a room full of people who may or may not be very good at the crossword, but they love doing it. And the documentary Wordplay talks about people feeling like they've found their family. It's really true. And you know, getting to do the commentary is humbling. I usually do it with Ophira Eisenberg, and behind us, there's 600 very smart crossword constructors and solvers. So I always think, man, they all know so much better than I what's going on in front of me. But Ophir and I have a great time. We work really well together. And I, I don't know how much your listeners know about the tournament, but the finals are three people solving a crossword on a giant grid.
0: To paint a picture for everybody, each solver has their own giant poster board with a crossword. They're solving it with a marker. They have noise-canceling headphones on so they can't hear the audience, and their boards are facing away from each other so they can't see each other. Their backs are to the audience while they solve. The grids are what people are watching, and then in front of the stage is Greg and Ophira, who are running commentary over this that the solvers can't hear.
3: Exactly. That's very well. Thank you for outlining that, David, because that's exactly what it's like. So we're able to say whatever we want because the competitors can't hear us, and part of the job is being aware that the people in the back of the room might not be able to see the grid up close, so we're trying to narrate what the contestants are entering. At the same time, trying to make some commentary about the construction of the puzzle. One of the things I do before the final round is meet with the constructor and talk to them about what, if anything, they were thinking, what they were inspired by, what they're most proud of in the grid. And the other fun thing to highlight about that competition is that there are three final rounds of three different degrees of difficulty. The grids and the words in the grids are exactly the same for each round, but the clues change. So the first round of the C-level clues are meant to be the, quote, easy clues. I would describe them as the hard clues because the B-level clues are the really hard clues. And then the A-level clues are the impossible clues. and one of the great things to do is to compare how a given word is clued in different ways to make it harder. So we have a lot of fun talking about that as we do the commentary.
0: I have to tell you, when I started watching YouTube videos of the commentary on the crossword competition, I was not expecting to like really get sucked into it, but I did. And I think you and Ophira have a really good chemistry as you're doing the announcing, and it's far more fun to watch than I was expecting.
3: That's really lovely of you to say. Thank you, David. And I'm thrilled to hear it, too, because you're watching it on YouTube, so you're already another step removed from the event itself. And it's exciting to know that it can translate a little bit to an audience. You know, over the years, Will has been approached by ESPN and other HBO and other broadcasters to try to do live coverage of the tournament, and it's pretty much an impossible thing to do. One year, they were attaching cameras to the glasses and the pencil (laughs) of people. I love that. Pencil cam. Pencil cam, trying to get a close-up of Eric Agard filling in his grid on the table, or they had cameras dollying up and down the aisles of the thing. and It's just not an interesting spectator sport, watching 700 people facing down on a table filling in crossword grid, but the final round with the three people up on the giant grids and some commentary I'm pleased to hear is actually something you can get into watching.
2: One question about that. Is there talk about the strategy of writing the letters as quickly as possible? For instance, like E, capital E is four lines, but if you do it lowercase, almost cursive, that could be an advantage for you.
3: Yeah. And people will say too, the act of solving the crossword in front of the room, where you have a marker in one hand and the clues on a piece of paper in the other hand, is inherently slower than having everything on the paper in front of you, where you can use one finger to track the clue and the other to read it right in the answer. When you're holding this paper, you lose time as your eye goes from the grid back to the paper and scanning the paper for the number that you're on. The people who are in the final round, are still going to solve that puzzle faster than 99% of any other person is.
0: They're still doing all right. Yeah, they're not <laughs> stuck <still> right. <laughs> BuzzShot is escape room software powering business growth, player marketing, and improving the customer experience. They offer an assortment of pre and post game features, including robust waiver management, branded team photos, and streamlined review management for Yelp, TripAdvisor, Google reviews, and Morty. BuzzShot now has integration with Repod sponsor COGS for all of your technology needs. We here at Room Escape Artist know just how expensive mailing list software can get. Did you know that BuzzShot has email broadcasts and customer surveys built in? BuzzShot allows you to create professional, personalized and timely marketing emails and feedback surveys using easy to edit templates and variable content. BuzzShot helps you collect player and marketing data and enhances your customer communications, allowing you to deliver more meaningful messages to your customers.
1: Shannon of The Grape Escape had this to say, Buzzshot helped completely legitimize our business and make us look like rock stars above our competition.
0: Streamline your marketing and grow your escape room business. Repod listeners get an extended free trial and 20% off your first three months with no setup fees or hidden charges. Visit buzzshot.com slash repod. That's R-E-P-O-D to learn more. Link and details in the show notes. There's another massive puzzle project that you were involved in. The New York Times Puzzle Mania. Can you explain this madness and what you contributed to it? Sure. So Puzzle Mania comes out every December in the New York Times.
3: It's highly sought after. It's only in the print edition on the NPL mailing list. In fact, you start to see people sending out, I hear that's coming out on December seventeenth. Go to your local newsstand, make sure you get the print copy. But it's very hard to get relative to the digital puzzles that people get on the Times website. It's a several-page, I think it's an eight-page spread filled with puzzle. The centerpiece is a giant crossword puzzle that Joel Fagliano makes. That's an enormous, spreads over
0: two pages of a newspaper puzzle with... It is a crossword of unreasonable size.
3: uh, (laughs) Yes. Um, It's like a, a rodent of unusual size in the crossword world. It's very large. And there's great photos that people send in of the family solving this thing. People will tape it to the wall and spend all of their December holiday up there filling in the grid. Last year, Will ap- approached me and asked me to make a meta-puzzle that would be in Puzzle Mania, that would be a suite of puzzles that would combine in some way into a meta-puzzle and they were gonna give a prize for the for a person to solve it or the, a drawing of the people to solve it. And the fun part of it was collaborating with Joel so that there were elements in the giant crossword that related to the mini puzzles that I had created, all of which combined into the meta puzzle. It was a thrill. I am not a New York Times published puzzle constructor. I've never made a crossword for the time. So it was a really exciting thing to finally get something in the times and on such a huge scale.
0: It's quite a creation. You mentioned earlier that you both met at the Mohonk Mountain House's wonderful world of words. Help me understand the magic Of this event. Well, I suggest you go listen to the Thanksgiving
3: episode of the Puzzler podcast.
0: November 23rd, 2023. Live episode recorded there.
2: Our first ever live episode. Monk Mountain House is this beautiful resort on a mountain lake outside of New Paltz, New York. I feel it's very shining. Like it's the Stephen King Shining Hotel, but not as murdery. Not as murdery.
3: No, it's not quite the overlook, but it's got... Good place to go and write. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) All by yourself for the winter. It's gorgeous. It's been around since the late 19th century. Much beloved. Families go there. Kids marry people they met when they were kids there. They have their weddings there. It has a great family history run by the Smiley family since its inception.
0: That's definitely not the name of a family that's going to kill you.
3: No, that's (laughs) not... These are, these are kind, kind Quaker family that were really involved in, like, international peace conferences after World War I. Sure. Yeah, yeah
2: great cover. <laughs> great
3: cover for them. Uh, a woman named Gloria Rosenthal, along with her husband Larry, started the wonderful World of Words weekend some 40-something years ago, I think. And she um, would bring up speakers to talk about language and words. And she knew Will Shorts, invited him to come up for the very first one and to make a puzzle hunt that took place through the hotel. So Gloria ran this event for 20-something years, I think. And Will came up every year and made a puzzle. But she decided to step down as the leader of the event. She asked Will to take over. And he, in turn, turned to me and said, Hey, Greg, would you like to come do this really fun weekend? and you can make a puzzle for it. Voluntold by Will Shorts. Yes, exactly. So for many years, I made this puzzle hunt in the hotel, which was great fun. And then Will decided he no longer wanted to run the event and asked me if I would take over running the event. So I have now brought in Eric Berlin, who's a wonderful puzzle maker and author.
2: And guest of Reality Escape
3: Pod recently. I imagine. There you go. Friend of the show. Friend of the show, exactly. So it's a gathering of people that love language. The speakers include authors like A.J. Jacobs, or uh, who do we have this year? Ellen Jovin, who runs the Grammar Table. On Twitter, she was Ellen at the Grammar Table. She has a book
2: out called... Oh God, what is her book called? Something with grammar. You also had David Kwan, and he road-tested a TED Talk about puzzles and magic. So that's a sneak peek.
0: David Kwong has spoken at our convention. We haven't had him on the podcast yet, but he's an inevitable guest. Oh
3: yeah. yeah. Dick Cabot has been a guest. Stephen Sondheim was a guest back in the day. So it's a big range of people, all language related. So the people come to enjoy talks about language. And on top of that, they get to do some fun puzzles that Eric puts together. Will and I contribute a packet of puzzles for the guests. There is a giant game of Scrabble that gets played. The first evening
2: with giant tiles
0: it sounds incredible aj let's pull you back into this conversation Woohoo! thank god with some additional distance from all of your work on the book the puzzler how has your relationship with puzzles changed over the past year or two since it came out
2: well uh, i would say i'm an obsessive i think that's fair and i love that i'm not an expert but I'm not a beginner. And I've even done some puzzle making, you know, these puzzles that we do for the Puzzler podcast are not, I could not do a, an MIT mystery hunt puzzle, but I can make some of the puzzles. And actually some of the origin of this podcast was that I did the audio book of my Puzzler book. And I felt bad because a lot of the puzzles were very visual, like, Sudoku. How do you do that? That's not a very good. I couldn't do that for the listeners to compensate so that they didn't feel ripped off. I created a bunch of puzzles that worked in only audio form. And one of them that I came up with is actually one that we occasionally do on the podcast. It's like an audio rebus. And what I do is we take a word. The answers are always a two, maybe three word phrase. But the clue I say the word in a certain tone of voice or a certain accent or a tenor, and that's the clue to the phrase. For instance, if I said, tide, that would
0: be?
1: High tide.
0: Rising tide.
2: (laughs) David got it. Exactly. Well, hi, I still give you credit.
0: This is one of my favorite formats that you have. Thanks, Dave. It works really beautifully.
2: I was worried we would run out, but it seems like there's a whole bunch you can do with a pause in the middle, like banana. Nah, which is?
1: Banana split. Exactly. Exactly.
2: It's just waiting. I wanted to give you that pause as well. But I realized, yeah, there's tons you can do with the pause. But anyway, I loved coming up with audio puzzles. And that was part of the inspiration for the podcast.
1: That is really cute. I will say, too, for an audio format anyway, you don't want puzzles that are too esoteric, right? It can't be too hard anyway.
2: (laughs) That is such an interesting point because we definitely talked a lot about that at the Puzzler headquarters, in the Puzzler Lab where Greg works. And one of your recent guests said, people want the win. They want that aha moment. So making it too hard is not helping anyone.
3: To PG's point, there are some puzzles that we want to try to do that we realize aren't very easy to do when you are hearing them as opposed to seeing them. There's one we did in one of the Mohunk recordings, that was words hidden inside phrases. I think that's in the Thanksgiving episode. Mm. And that felt like we had to really take time and be clear, because if you see a sentence written on a page, you can scan it and look for a word hidden between a couple words. When you hear it, it's a whole different mental process. You have to then picture the words in your head to see spelling and, and so on. Anyway, it's, there's a lot of puzzles that don't work as well on audio as they would in in a newspaper.
2: And we also, another audio thing that we will give you this same talk when you come on is we love it when the guests work it out and talk it out so that the listener can be along with them. Because if the guest gets it immediately, like that's no fun for anyone. I'm
0: so glad you bring that up. So one of my habits, whenever we're going on any podcast is I binge listen to as much of, if not all of the episodes that exist. And I analyze what I think is making for a good or a bad guest in that show. This is great. I love this. Tell us your thoughts. For me, the main things that were jumping out at me is your guests who give a little bit of personality while they're being introduced and then Also think through the solve of the puzzle, but not in like a mechanical way, but in their voice, like very much being them while they're thinking through the solutions. That to me is what makes for the best episodes of The Puzzler. And I think that in particular, if I were to like call out two of your guests for being just spectacular, Baratunde Thurston and Ophira Eisenberg were just perfect guests.
2: I love to hear it. We love them, too. And I agree 100%. I think part of what makes a great guest is the working it out, but also adding some, like you say, some little twists. We had a puzzle where one of the answers was Ricola, and Baratunde Thurston talked about how Ricola was his high school, school nickname. nickname, which is very weird. That was a lovely coincidence. I did not plan that, but uh, but it's like, all right, you don't get that on another show. But because puzzles are so strange and encompass so many different, they could be about animals. They could be about ships. So it's an interesting way into someone's mind.
1: What a slumdog millionaire moment. <laughs> oh, that's a great point. That is exactly it.
2: Thank you for that. You're right.
1: <laughs> yeah, but getting back to the puzzles i mean i have designed a few games for the podcast we had a halloween special edition that was mostly puzzles and trivia but it's really difficult to create games exclusively for audio and we talked about a few things that make for a good audio puzzle but do you guys have any other tips of what does make for a good audio game or puzzle
3: It's a great question. I think I generally think in the contrarian perspective, what
0: makes for a bad audio puzzle and how to avoid it? Greg, this is how I operate also. Always from negative, David. I call my process design with contempt. I find (laughs) all of the things I hate about a medium, about a process, about whatever, and then I figure out how do I avoid them? Exactly. That is hilarious.
1: That's where Recon was born, our convention.
0: I love it. Right. Everything left must be good
3: because you've eliminated all the stuff that wasn't. Exactly.
1: Well, that is so funny.
3: I mean, the ones that are always hard, but we do them anyway, are any kind of anagram puzzle, mm. which will often proceed by saying, it might help if you have pencil and paper and write this down, because some of the best way to make an anagram of a given set of letters is to write them in a circle on a piece of paper and break up the original word form so you can see them just as a mix of letters. We did one with Baratunde that was great, where it was his first name
0: anagrammed into a bunch of phrases.
2: He has the most anagrammable name in history. I was really
0: (laughs) impressed with that whole sequence. I couldn't solve those at all listening, but I was really impressed at the construction of them.
1: Anagramming is hard even when you can write it down on a pen and paper. And I have to write down anagrams vertically. If I write it horizontally, I can't read it as anything other than left to right.
2: What a great solving tip. Oh, I love that.
1: I find if I put the letters vertically, it helps me be able to move them around mentally and not get trapped in reading them left to right.
3: Have you tried doing them in a circle? Because that's my favorite.
1: Oh, no, but that's a good tip. Or just like a jumble.
2: I thought of another thing that I like to do that I think makes for a good audio puzzle. And that is to have the guests say something goofy. And Greg is very good at this. He had one based on poker face lady gaga's poker face so all of the answers began with the sound po and you had to answer them in the poker face like you had whatever it was po 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 poland you had to say that and we just recorded one with mike reese that i'm very excited to play because we have a do puzzle so all of the answers have the sound do. i'm terrible at it there it is that's better we did one with
3: Lisa Lowe based on David Bowie's changes. Ch-ch-ch-ch-changes. Yeah, where she kind of chain gang or whatever the whatever the And answer. she
2: actually has a great voice. So it actually it was like added value that you got to hear her sing, but also solve the puzzle.
3: But that element that asks the guest to make funny sounds or say something in a funny way just feels like automatically good audio because it's a lively, fun thing to hear.
1: So what is the process behind an episode of The Puzzler? How do you two collaborate?
0: He locks me in the basement in the puzzle. <laughs> you have 60 minutes to make these puzzles.
3: i had less and less food until I... You
2: know. uh, well, we have a guest and not all of the puzzles are themed to the guest, but often they are. With Mike Reese, the longtime Simpsons writer, we have the dough puzzle. So we brainstorm ideas on our own. It's me, Greg, our chief puzzle officer and associate puzzler, Andrea Schoenberg. And we all come up with ideas and then we have a meeting where we all pitch our ideas and then we pick what we think are the four or five strongest. As I say, Greg specializes in the ones that I could never make. Mine are some of the more simple ones, but Greg's are more of the sophisticated ones. So it's good to have a mix.
3: There's no question. First inspiration comes from the guest their career what they do what they've written or been on sometimes their name things like that we use that but then we also have a batch of recurring puzzles like the earbus puzzle that AJ talked about that we bring back neely one of our producers is great at stopping us from making everything about the guest in a really yes. bespoke way so is it like, could we not make everything all about PG's initials could we do a few other things you know let's branch out a little bit It's really nice when we
2: get that. I don't think this has aired yet, but there's one puzzle idea that I came up with because I saw on Twitter, someone had asked ChatGPT, they said, describe the process of removing a peanut butter sandwich from a VCR using the language of the um, King James Bible. And ChatGPT's answer was so brilliantly funny and serious thou shall take the crust and you know it was great <laughs> and i was like what if you did more of a jeopardy version of that we have a puzzle coming up i think the first one is with peter sagal oh no we did do it we did air it with michael ian black
0: yeah you had a michael ian black one where you had chat GBT describing books in different voices
2: exactly yeah
3: so i love that the other thing we do to peel the curtain back a little bit is we try to record each guest we record in one sitting. I've had people ask what time of day we record our puzzles because they think we actually do it every day. Oh, I
0: never thought that.
3: <laughs> As a podcaster yourself, I'm sure you didn't, but I believe
0: you know. Just the mic checks alone will kill you.
3: We're not getting up at six in the morning to record with Baruch and Thurston. We sat with him for an hour one afternoon and got five episodes banked. Part of the fun of it is that they're short enough that you can do several back to back. And Sometimes we do two or three guests in a row, so we have an afternoon of recording and then we're set for several weeks.
2: I did get a question, though. Do you change your outfit after every five-minute puzzle? We're not wearing clothes, are we? (laughs) 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 That goes back to, I think we discussed this on the last episode about escape rooms and whether it's true or not, that the naturist community, the nudist community, is a big fan of escape rooms.
0: This is a thing we can talk about in the bonus episode because I did do a little bit of digging on that. Oh, oh, that's great. I want to well, hear. bonus okay. episode gets juicier and juicier. There you go. This is called Baiting the Hook.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not just the after show now. It's after show after dark.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I am curious, has a puzzle that you have made for the puzzler failed spectacularly and if so how have you gone about dealing with that i wish it has it hasn't yet because that would be a great story i'm
3: sure there's a great story right <laughs> I don't I'm wrong aj i don't you know like i did make one puzzle that i was going to give to aj that involved something about quotes from the wikipedia entry for various famous people uh, various presidents maybe and you had to identify the president and it spun off of that Wordle variant. That's the Wikipedia version where you-
1: Redactyl. I love redactyl. redactyl. A,
3: yeah. Spinning off of that. And I wrote it up and Neely took one look at it and she said, Greg, this reads like a really bad school quiz. This is not. <laughs> okay. Let me try a new angle on this. That's, that <laughs> has happened several times. And that's the beauty of having editors and other people looking at what we're doing saying, that angle is not working. Let's try it differently. So by the time we get to the guest, usually, so far, knock on wood, it's been fine.
2: Well, there have been a lot of hiccups there. We just recently recorded one where I gave the answer instead of the clue twice. Not just once, but twice. In the, and sense like, what the... Was, so now I have to bold it on the script. I'm too dumb to be able to... Um, We are hoping Dax Shepard from Armchair Expert agreed to be on the show, but he hasn't so far. But I came up with a puzzle for him that I have a feeling everyone else on the puzzler will find in terrible taste. But I looked at his IMDB and his first listed role was guy who vomits at a party. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And we like doing sound quizzes so what if we did like the greatest vomit sounds from movie history like the exorcist look at greg's face nobody wants to hear this
1: This (laughs) i do (laughs) this would be great for an april fool's day or something i feel like there's space for it somewhere
0: I've seen the way that some of your audience reacts to even slightly adult content in your in the reviews they've left for you. So I I, oh, I, don't, I don't I don't know that that's a thing that you want to go and do. <laughs> I'm also thinking about you know I have two kids and one of them the
3: older kid my daughter used to get car sick a lot and when she would get car sick her brother would then get car sick in response right ah, just that's true hearing her get so that's the danger of the vomit episode is that. Each time we we hear that, then all the listeners are
0: throwing up. Right. It's a bad idea. I think you should workshop the idea a little bit more.
2: (laughs) Thank you, David. Workshop it out of the episode.
0: Yeah. I was also just wondering, there are episodes where Greg is delivering puzzles to AJ. My non-scientific observation of that is that those are some of the harder puzzles that you have created. Is that a correlation that is spurious, or is A.J. the guinea pig for the tougher material? A.J. is the guinea pig for all things.
2: And I love it because I don't mind being stumped. Yeah, it's intentional both because
3: of who you are and your willingness to just dive into everything. You also have a lot of puzzle knowledge, so you're likely to get the answer or get in the right direction of the answer. And we don't care how we look. Right, we care how the guests look. So I wouldn't bring on a, a guest and then give them some ridiculously hard puzzle that we didn't think they
0: could solve.
1: Well, AJ also has a chance for redemption too. It's not his one <laughs> shot, right? He's always on. <laughs> Great
0: point, PG. I love that. It's at this point that I think we're going to surprise you with one of PG's games. Oh, I like oh, that. This <laughs> is good.
1: How the tables have turned. (laughs) We will try to be as good as Baratunde
2: and Ophira and and talk it out.
1: (laughs) In honor of our guests who are authors, I have made a game involving classic works of literature. I have taken the titles of some well-known books and I have changed one letter in the title. I will then give you a description of this new novel and you will tell me what the new title is. I love it. So, for example, if I said in this novel set in the Great Depression, a family of sharecroppers struggle with economic hardship and they set off in search of jobs, land and a great set of curtains. You would say the drapes of wrath.
2: The drapes of <laughs> wrath. That is exactly good. I was trying to solve it while you were giving the clue, which is something I've learned from Greg and other puzzles. So I was thinking that they were complaining the whole way. It would be the gripes of wrath. I like but, that. One. <laughs> but I guess that is part of the grapes of wrath, is that they do complain, which they should. That's yeah. a, that is a terrible life.
1: <laughs> That's fair enough. All right. In this Southern classic novel, we explore themes of racism and injustice involving a murder and a very large invoice.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Do you know what it is? No. I was just trying to think. I feel it's Faulkner. It feels like Faulkner. No. Invoice for a flying (laughs) animal. Right. I am dumped. So it's a winged animal that
3: has come to your restaurant, and when it leaves, you give it the...
2: Interesting. I don't know.
3: A winged animal like a bat? No, what what is the most common winged... Bird. That's part of the title, so I couldn't say that.
2: Oh, to kill a mockingbird. To bill a mockingbird. Yes. Oh, there you thank <laughs> you very much. Thank to you very much. To Bill
1: a Mockingbird. <laughs> All right. In this novel, a group of British schoolboys who are stuck on a deserted island learn to govern themselves, but end up fighting over potato sticks cooked in oil. <laughs>
2: I love it. All right. I know the book, Lord of the Flies. Yep. Are they Lord of the Fries? Lord of the (laughs) Fries.
1: Lord of the Fries, exactly.
2: I would read that. I would eat that.
1: That's my title at home, basically. (laughs) (laughs) You are Lord of the Fries. In this novel, we follow the adventures of a pampered dog named Buck, who finds himself returning to his primordial instincts. After following an enticing round toy into the backcountry.
2: <laughs> hey. Oh man, I don't know. You gotta know who Buck is. Yeah, if you can figure out what the round toy is. I don't know if I read this book. Not White Teeth. Oh. No.
1: The, the the author is Jack London.
2: I just got confused. I just said White Teeth, which is his Zadie Smith novel. Totally different.
1: Or you're thinking of White Fang, maybe. Yeah. That's, That's what I was thinking. White, White, White Fang, Fang was a wolf that got domesticated. And this was the inverse where a dog becomes yeah. feral, basically.
2: See, I read White Fang and that was the end of my Jack London phase. So I don't <laughs> think I know this one. What you is met, it? You missed the ball of the wild. Oh, I did read that. Oh, read that Based on The ago. Call good of the one.
1: Wild. This is The Ball Very of the Wild. Good.
2: Very good. Yes.
1: We've got a f- just a few more. This novel is about four immigrant water birds and their daughters whose lives <laughs> intertwine over mahjong, dim sum, and family gatherings. Oh. The
2: Amy Tan book. Amy Tan. The, wait. The, oh, what, what's the Amy Tan book called? Me with that Amy Tan book.
1: This novel is about four immigrant water birds.
2: Well, the water cranes, egrets. Heron. Joy Luck Club. Wasn't that it? So Joy, what is the water bird? Joy. Duck. Joy Duck Club. Nicely done.
1: (laughs) The Joy Duck Club. (laughs) In this feminist dystopian novel, we explore themes of women in subjugation and the various means of gaining agency with a green, leafy vegetable.
3: <laughs> it's very good for you, I understand.
2: Oh, oh I think I got it. I think I got it. Right? Yeah. Well, I would, yes.
3: The handmade... Kale. The handmade, handmade kale.
1: <laughs> a popular salad in Southern California. Yes. <laughs> In this epic high fantasy series, a young adventurer is on a journey to destroy a piece of jewelry in a lake of pig fat.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I actually never read this book. I think I only saw one of the three movies. Well, it?
3: it's, and we know, of course, it's the Lord of the Rings that's been turned into the Lord of the Rings.
1: The Lord of the Rings.
3: I will say, I read that book as a kid, and then before the films came out, I read it again, and I was surprised at how moved I was by the book as an adult. There's themes about what happens to the hobbits and the shire after they go through the whole experience for the rest of the tale that's actually moving from an adult perspective, which, of course, as a kid, you don't know, or as a watcher of the fantasy films, you're not asked to get it on that level, but it was actually surprisingly moving.
2: And even more, if it involved pig fat. Can you imagine?
1: <laughs> Don't let the Lord of the Fries kids into that scene. <laughs> oh,
2: good point. Andrew, there's a little bit of a theme going
3: on here with the fries and the lard. And the <laughs>
1: yeah. Lard.
3: I'm just,
2: are you hungry?
1: <laughs> All right, we got one more. All right. This novel, set in Georgia during the American Civil War, follows the life of a beautiful young plantation owner who discovers that her way of life can disappear as quickly as an orange peel. Ah,
2: well, see, I do want to say in defense of P.G., she had kale and also she has orange. So she does have some healthy food in addition to the fries. But it's all
3: food, I think, is the point you're trying to make I see. P.G., uh, is yes. it lunchtime where you are? What's happening? <laughs> didn't matter. Yeah, there's a I, matter-
1: you know, all of my animals are named after food as well, so. <laughs> uh
2: yes, I think it's gone with the rind. Yes, yeah, the ridden. rind. I gone like that. Gone with the
1: rind. And I left that one for last. It's a little bit harder because it kind of doesn't rhyme the way that the other ones right. do. Right. I love that.
2: I love when you change the word. We were just talking about, should we do a puzzle on uh, capital NIMS where you change a lowercase to a capital letter and it changes the word. So Polish and Polish, which I love because it not just, it changes the meaning and the pronunciation. So yeah, that done. would be super fun. It
3: does make those letter change puzzles harder when they aren't rhymes, when you then have to Again, see it in your head. On paper, it's easy to see that chain. Harder in your
0: head.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for playing my game. And it- I love
0: your game. Love it. Thank you for giving it to us. As we begin to wind down this episode, having listened to every episode of the Puzzler and some amount of the ads, I couldn't help <laughs> but notice that one of your regular advertisers is Visit Clearwater. They're really missing out. Their ads never even acknowledge that Clearwater, Florida has one of the top escape room companies in the United States In past repod guests, the folks from Exit Games. So if you can pass along a note to whoever's managing your ads, I feel like your audience is probably going to be more interested in one of the finest escape room companies in the world than they are Clearwater Beach.
2: That is a great tip. Okay, I'm going to tell them. I am going to tell them. Yeah, you got to know your audience.
3: I think our ads are managed by ChatGPT,
0: actually. Um, (laughs) I think you might be right there, but you guys handle your ads a lot better than one of my other favorite iHeart podcast shows, Behind the Bastards, who um, their handling of their sponsors is um, just incredible. It's really something I aspire to. I haven't heard it. We can talk about that in the bonus episode, too. I'll have to go check that out, yeah. I know that our ads are also
3: geographically targeted because my sister was listening when she was traveling in Europe and all her ads were in German and French. and
2: uh-huh, so That's
3: why I mean there's an algorithmic thing that is
2: delivering ads to the listener. So, David, they know you've been to Clearwater.
0: Interesting. Yeah, very, like, very interesting. Right. It's still bad angle.
3: Look, for just a few dollars more, Visit Clearwater could have us read the ad and we could include puzzle content when we read their ad. Yeah.
2: Yeah. One goal we have is eventually we'll start to make puzzles. Because, yeah, why not? We have to have ads to support the show, but at least make them puzzly. Yeah. At least they're fun for our listeners.
3: In fact, one of the things you do when you become an iHeart podcast or maybe true on every podcast platform. I don't know, but fill out an extraordinarily long questionnaire about all the things you would be willing to advertise for, right?
0: Oh, we have to do all of our ad sales ourselves. So we literally have to go out and find the companies that are going to advertise with us. So
2: you go straight to the tobacco companies.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just alcohol and lotteries. Yeah. Yeah. We're in the (laughs) pockets of big escape room tech. (laughs) Um, As you should be. Yeah, the mountains of money were just completely bought and paid for.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, but we're lucky, though, at least. Like, I love our sponsors and I really believe in everything that they're doing. So,
0: the upside of having to do all of your sales is that you get to pick your sponsors. And the downside of having to do your sales is that you have to do all the work. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Pros and cons.
1: So, AJ and Greg, what comes next for you? Are there any other projects you would like to promote as long as you're here?
2: Well, aside from the puzzler, which I love doing, and thank you for listening. You might be one of our only completists, David, but um, I also just finished writing a book that will be out in May. It's called The Year of Living Constitutionally, and it is about my attempt to understand the U.S. Constitution by being almost the ultimate originalist and express my rights the way they were written. So I bear a musket in New York and I quarter a soldier and I write pamphlets and hand them out <laughs> on the street instead of doing social media. So that is my next book. Love it. And I'm
3: writing a puzzle for each amendment to the Constitution.
2: <laughs> I would love that. Greg. Great idea.
3: And that 25th Amendment puzzle is going to be great. <laughs> well, Greg, do you have something? Just thanks to you guys for listening to the podcast. And of course, everybody should get out there and subscribe and listen to it. In my other career, uh, my musical career, I am doing orchestrations for a new musical based upon Prelude to a Kiss, which was a play and then a movie and is now going to be a musical. So we're going to be out in South Coast Rep in L.A. in the spring and then in Milwaukee in the fall. And hopefully that will go further after that. And I have a puzzle website called Exaltation of Larks, Exaltation, A-X-A-L, Exaltation of Larks. And I make puzzles for corporate events, for educational events, for bar mitzvahs, whatever. So if people are into puzzle hunts and that idea, they can find me there
0: to learn more about that stuff. Fantastic. Thank you both so much for joining us. AJ, thank you for being our second returning guest. Woo-hoo. And thank you in advance for having us on your show. We are very excited. Yeah, just so excited to go and do this. And it's wonderful seeing the way that you are bringing puzzling to more people. And it's just a ton of fun to be a part of that.
2: Thank you for A, being an inspiration for my book, and B, for being the pioneers in the audio puzzle space. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Thank you guys for having us. It's really great. It's been a pleasure. And thank you to all of our listeners. This is the end of season six of Reality Escape Pod. I know this was our finale. It came out of nowhere, but we gave you one extra episode this season. So we are going to go back into hibernation and we are going to emerge in the spring with a themed season. Not going to tell you what the theme is.
1: (laughs) It has been a joy and a pleasure. Thank you so much to all of our listeners, everybody who shared the podcast. Listeners have grown. They've like tripled over the season for some reason. So thank you so much to everyone who is helping us to share this with an interested audience.
0: The Reality Escape Pod is produced by Teresa Piazza with support by Lisa Spira. We're edited by Steve Ewing of Stand Inside Media. Music by Ryan Elder. Logo by Janine Proct. And all of this is brought to you by roomescapeartist.com. Your home for well-researched, rational, and reasonably humorous escape room and immersive gaming content and events. You've made it to the end of the episode. I'm guessing that you had a good time because otherwise you would have bailed. How about you go and take that good time straight over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Help other people find what we're doing. It really helps us out and think about who you just helped out by helping them find a podcast that they are really gonna enjoy. Go do it, do it now. Thank you. Well, folks, it is that time. You know exactly the one I'm talking about. It's the one where the desperate content creator tells you, please, please join our Patreon. Please. I know you hear it from everybody, but it means so much to us. The amount of time and energy and money that we put into producing shows like this to the degree that we produce them and all of the other things that we're doing, it's just takes a lot and our patrons every single one of them matters at every single level so if you have the money available and it's not going to be a hardship for you please consider backing us on patreon and if it is going to be a hardship please don't
1: and backing us at the five dollar level gets you access to the ria discord and it also gets you our bonus after show the show goes on for like another 40 to 50 minutes usually, a lot of times we have the guests joining us. I mean, that's that's longer than that cup of coffee will last you. At the $15 level, you also get access to our Spoilers Club. Here, we take deep dives into iconic, well-known escape rooms, and we're joined by the creators who come in and gives us exclusive behind-the-scenes director's cut-style commentary. This is some of my favorite content to produce because I love talking about escape rooms in full.
0: You can learn more at patreon.com slash roomescapeartist link in details in the show notes we'd like to thank our highest level patrons panic room escapism olivier escape jonathan driscoll breakout games derek tam joshua rosenfeld byron delmonico keystone escape games scott olson paula swan rex miller dawnward karen and the ministry of peculiarities thank you for your ongoing support
2: One of the very first escape rooms we went to, I went with my family and one of my sons was very young at the time, maybe five, six, seven years old. And before we went to the escape room, he went to the bathroom and got locked in the stall. He couldn't undo the latch. So we thought that was very appropriate. He could not escape the stall.